Are you the type of person that loves to take those personality tests to see kind of where you fit in like the Enneagram? Yeah, me too. Well, our next guest, Mary Mosham, is not only a leadership coach, she's not only a mindfulness teacher, she's also a dynamic Enneagram facilitator. You guys, watching her in action, it's obvious to me that she has not only done the work, she continues to do the work, and she has this really beautiful way of just meeting people where they're at and holding space for them. We are so excited that you're here with us today, so go ahead and get comfy, lean in, and let's take a listen to Mary Mosham's Abundance of Wisdom. Oh man, you guys, I'm so excited to introduce our next guest. Wow, she is such a gift to the world. She's doing so many amazing things. She's a leadership coach. She's a mindfulness teacher. She's an author of, yeah, like a book. And she's a master at the Enneagram. It's kind of like not what doesn't she do because she does it all. Mary Masham, thank you so much for saying yes and being here today. Thank you, Michelle, and what a, what a wonderful welcoming. I'm so happy to be here with you and your community. Girl, I'm telling you what, Nicole Connell gave me your name. I think she knew you from um, some facilitating that you had done prior to, and she said, Michelle, I know you're interested in the Enneagram. You gotta check out Mary Masham. She seems really cool. So I Google stalked you as I often do. <laughs> and we had our first little meeting via Zoom. And I remember thinking to myself, this lady is polished and she has her shit together. <laughs> and then I was thinking, I wonder what she thinks of me. I'm a little bit of a mess. <laughs> do you remember that first interaction we had? I so remember that, you know, conversation we had, you were in your backyard and you said, Hey, I'm Michelle. Loved for you to do an Enneagram workshop. And I just like, okay. I just immediately felt this sense of, I want to work with you. And it felt very much synchronized and um, purposeful. So I'm so excited that you hooked up with Nicole. So excited that you found and stalked me and, you know, we're in like, <laughs> the third week of the Enneagram and it's been quite transformational and magical on many levels. So thank you. Girl, the Enneagram has been, um, I mean, Mary, I'll be really honest, you know, when you, you know, cause we could have a conversation prior to the actual training, you know, the Enneagram six weeks. And, but I, but like, we don't really know, know each other. Now we know each other better. And I remember you did the first session and I just went, holy smokes. That was phenomenal. That was phenomenal. You are an excellent facilitator, but you, it's more than that, Mary, you have the wisdom, like, right. So you've done the work, you, you know, the Enneagram left, right, sideways and all around. But like the most important piece is that you're able to meet folks mm, where they are like, you know, cause Enneagram exposes all of you right? Yeah, it, it does. And thank you for those sharing those qualities. 
I have done a lot of work on myself over 20 years and the Enneagram, you know, came on my plate like 15 years ago. And it was a time where I wasn't so self-aware, but as I really learned the tool and became a teacher of the tool and studying it pretty diligently, I realized so much of the Enneagram speaks to the fullness of our humanity. Oh, and you just, you are like, you do such a beautiful job in yeah. session. If, you know, the shadow side comes out, you're able to really bring the light and help us remember that like, but when we're aligned, we're whole, you know, and we can really kind of do this beautiful work when we, when we own that place and that piece. And I'm wondering for you, cause you mentioned, you know, you were doing it a decade and a half ago before the Enneagram was cool. <laughs> like, can you give us a little bit of background about like kind of how you quote unquote stumbled into this work, how you became this amazing leadership coach? Like, cause usually there's a story of some kind that, that comes from that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if I go back to year 2000, a lot had happened to me. It was a quite a transformational year. I was getting my um, degree in individual and organizational transformation. I mean, it was just definitely my sweet spot. And I felt like this is what I'm supposed to be doing in the world. And what happened is my whole life actually crashed down on me after graduation. And I really had to look at everything about my beliefs and my karma, my choices, and the jobs I took and the motives I, that drove me. And as I was on that journey of not only healing my body, I was looking at how do I basically heal my spirit and heart? Because so much of who I was was no longer meeting me and fulfilling me at a deep level. So when I actually, I was in relationship with somebody and they proposed, you should read the Enneagram because he thought it would be insightful for me to gain more wisdom about who I was. And I did. And I at first was resistant to what it shared. It said that, you know, I landed in the type four point or space and this particular book showed the shadow side of the realized the Enneagram is integral to our evolution. We often could do meditation. I was very much a yogi and meditator for 20 years on that path, but I can only get so far in my maturity and my potential. And then when I met the Enneagram, I realized there was this whole territory that I would bypass. And many of us do that because we want to be light chasers. We want to um, chase that part of us that shines and glows. And we don't want to look at the parts of us that we're ashamed of or those negative emotions. So as I started doing that, I became more available for others, even my clients or the people I teach in classrooms to do that for themselves. So I think both having that depth of understanding of our own structure of a personality and a human psyche in integration and alignment with presence. And when I say presence, presence is basically our, you know, our fullness and in in connection to what is called awareness. And then if you're in the Christian faith, it might be the soul. Mm -hmm. um, so there's many different labels of what we call this kind of unconditional, undifferentiated space of who we are. I like awareness and true self. Mm -hmm. And the Enneagram gives you is, is, a, is a map to really help people identify 
and understand what is their path to growth so they can be more of who they are authentically and take off their social mask and really start healing those underlining patterns that they felt that were needed as childhoods. We were talking about in our sessions, yeah. a lot forms at early um, childhood in our holding environment, if it wasn't um, safe or we weren't properly mirrored um, with the essential qualities that we bring into the world, we create an adaptive strategy. So having the Enneagram, understanding your own adaptive strategy, I call it our operating model. So what is that internal operating model that drives every motive? And as I got to understand mine, I actually did a huge career change. I thought I was initially a type one. So I thought, oh, I need to drive these big transformational initiatives. And then quite like seven um, years ago, I realized I'm, a still, I'm really the type four that I resisted originally 15 years ago. I landed <laughs> in that space. I'm going to tell that story next week. So yeah, and I realized... <laughs> I didn't have to lead a big team, an organizational and a global change anymore. I could really truly be an artist and creative and really master the gifts I have to bring into the world. And that just flourished. That is so funny what you said about you're all, well, I thought I was a one because I was resisting the four. <laughs> and because it's like when I did it too, I'm like, I don't want to be a challenger. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I want to be an enthusiast, you know, and I am, it's almost tied. But the point is, it's funny how we step away from, I don't know how comfortable I feel with that right now, you know, and I'm wondering through your own work, like doing the work, recognizing you're a four, you talked a lot about those patterns. You had this pivotal moment, like after college where you've done the work, you're on the path, you had someone, you know, hand you this, hey, maybe you should check out the Enneagram, whether that person is still in your circle or not, doesn't really matter, we get it when we're supposed to get it, and then you're a four, and I'm wondering, like, what's the four about, and like, what pattern have you maybe changed that you're like, oh yeah, I can see the growth now that I was able to sort of face that head on. Yeah. Great question. Well, we're going to be talking about the four this coming week, and I'll just give you a snapshot and a glimpse of the four. Again, this particular book really showed the shadow side, and so it made the four the drama queen. Oh, Yeah, very depressed. <laughs> <laughs> who wants to be known as being depressed, right? Um, somebody who just is stuck, and they're stuck in their story. Um, they need to be rescued. Um, there's just a, a sense of like, they're not strong enough or enough to, to bring themselves into the world, which is so untrue. This particular book didn't share the, the fullness and the beauty of the four. And as we've been like talking about the beauty, the four is, as I got to know it, is the sense of, you know, connection to the divine. They have this depth of their origin. They, and that's what the loss is of every one of these Enneagram types. They have a disconnect, a separation of what they know and experience what awareness is. And awareness is this depth and beauty and mystery. And when they came out, you know, the fours, when they come out into the world, they don't see that. And there's a real sadness. People aren't authentic. So fours are like, I'm so authentic. I can be in my darkest side and I can be in my lightest side, but they chase more of the dark side. And at that point in time in my life, I was really in a transitional point. I pretty much lost everything. 
mm-hmm. my, my job, my finances, my health. So anybody, of course, and, and, and my new book is on burnout and stress, will go through a period of overwhelm and anxiety. And if you don't have those resilience tools to help support you in those periods of time, just like what we're dealing with COVID right now, right. it's hard to um, feel full and engaged and confident in life. So as I started to build my own internal confidence, I realized that, you know, the four is not so bad. I looked at the types of fours <laughs> out there. <laughs> They're very creative. I'm a lot of the musicians out there, like Adele's an exemplar of a four. And if you think about Adele, she's written, she, she's wrote, every album is part of her history, like 21, 25. It's a very much narrative of her life. Mm-hmm. So the four has so much creative genius that they bring and they become a role model for that. You know, it's funny because when you were saying like, oh man, I lost everything. I mean, it all went sideways. And I feel like even though those chapters are so very difficult, if we choose to work our way through that muck, they can be the, they can, we can grow the most in those periods of struggle, of strife. Um, I don't think we're meant to do it alone. I think that we need to call on, you know, paid professionals and family and friends and other folks who deserve to hear our story. But I mean, what a beautiful example, Mary, beautiful four. You made it through, sister. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. And And you said something that's so important is reaching out for help. And that's, I think, the reason why going back to why did I become a leadership and personal coach is because in my own struggle, um, I realized a coach was always pivotal for me to get to the next level. And having done that for people and seeing their life transform, I just feel like I'm paying it forward and sharing that all that I learn. And that's one of the things that I'm really, really passionate about is that mm-hmm. I believe everybody has a gift and everybody struggles. So can we embrace all of that? Absolutely. And can we shine the light, like you were saying, shine the light on those parts of us that we are denying or repress. And that's what drives my facilitation because I just hold people in their greatest light as well as in their tender moments. And when we can hold both of those together, the law three, something else can appear for them. And that's what you see in my facilitation. We often can't see that in ourselves. So that's what I love to mirror for people so they can feel the wholeness, not just fixate on the thing that is wrong with them and realize the magnificence in them as well. And that's what we need because we are all magnificent. I don't care where you've been in your life. You had education or no education. I believe everybody has something to share in this world. And it's a matter for them to find that. Absolutely. Girl, you just preach. Yes, you just preach. Yes, you do. Because we are we are knit from the creator. All of us, no matter what you believe, you could call it whatever you want. But just what you said, we are all brilliant. We are all glorious. We are all magnificent. And we need other folks to help remind us of that, which is what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I just get so, there's a sensitivity when you're so in presence, you, you feel less guarded and your heart is so much there. And, 
And I could feel that so much of why I do the work in the world. And this new book that I just wrote is all about that. And I'm happy to share more about that with Please you. Please do tell okay. us more about this book that you just wrote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it actually was inspired by the Enneagram because there is this evolutionary path that we all walk on to become our fullness and our best and whole selves in the world. And I wanted to do it in a way that people can really re resonate. And it was actually in January before post pre-COVID. And I was inspired with this idea of writing my book. And I said, well, it has to be about an individual's awakening into their, into their soul and into their legacy in this world. And I didn't have any idea. And when I wrote it, then COVID hit, shelter in place hit. And I realized, wow, it's really about burnout and stress. Oh my, oh my gosh. And that Talk is, about awakening. Yeah. You know, there's that crisis. Like I mentioned in year 2000 that I had to endure, you know, a lot of people as I was coaching people around the world, they were going through their own crisis of what that looks like, an identity crisis. And so this book is called Mindful Career, Seven Keys to End Burnout and Unlock Your Greatest Potential, really lays the groundwork for people to understand what is their authentic gift to give to the world? What is their unique purpose? And how do I end the cycle of stress and burnout? So it lays out seven keys that are pillars that I feel like, you know, seven is quite a, a number too. It just came as I wrote them as so much of the steps for as we progress on our path of becoming our, again, our authentic and powerful self. Um, but it really got into how do we nurture our body? How do we recharge our body? How do we grow to that intelligence? How can we understand stress? What are our gifts? What makes us come alive? So we go through these questions. One of my favorite chapters, as you do, and a lot of the work you do in the world is around self-care and loving yourself. Definitely a chapter we go deep in. How do you love yourself deeply again? And how, what do you, what are some tools to put some healthy boundaries, not only around your energy, but also in the workplace. So, and then we go on a deeper journey of looking at the mind. You know, what is this whole thing about the monkey mind? How do we master those fears and negative self-talk? How do we get a hold of that? And this is where we start engaging around awareness practices. Oh, God. I'm just thinking about what you yeah. just said about like um, uh, sorry <laughs> like loving yourself because I think until you are able to cultivate that on a regular basis like kind of once you recognize what that is and that you're imperfectly beautiful and okay you can really show up not only for yourself, but for others. Girl. <laughs> that was so beautiful. I just got chills as you said that. And that's exact. That's one of the, the last chapters. That's, that's the wake up call. You know, the first chapter I talk about the wake call, up call about the crisis that's burning inside us. And we realize we disconnect from our true self. And then we go at the end of the book saying, 
No, once we start cultivating this inner love within ourselves and embracing all of who we are, we meet our true self in a whole new way. And we become a badass, actually, in the sense of like, not in a, in a, in a, um, in a way that's egocentric, but we just say, hey, I really believe all that I bring into the world is needed and I pay it forward. But it is embracing that part of us that is imperfect. And what I say, it's, it's our imperfections that make us so beautiful. That's it. Who wants a, somebody who's perfect with everything? We like the flaws. So to ourselves, we can then not need others to fulfill those insecurities in, in us anymore. And that's, that's right. We we're, we're not, and, yeah, we're not looking outside for validation, for affirmation. Am I okay now? Do you see me now? Have I done enough now? Have I earned enough now? You see my purse? You see my car? You see my house? You see my kids? Like, uh. <laughs> it's a so lot. It's, it is a lot. And you can feel that, right? That pressure. And this is the big myth and lie. People believe they're not worthy enough. And yet they are worthy beyond measure. And we could say, where did that manifest? It could be society, it could be media, it could be our competition, it could be our school systems. I'm not here to point the finger where that happened. But somehow there's a narrative, there's a belief system in the culture that we have to have certain things to be successful. And I like to turn that upside down because that formula- Shake it. Yeah. <laughs> It, it, it overrides meaning and purpose and success and well-being. Totally. And we cultivate like this false image. Like we were just talking about the type three, right? They're, they tend to be great at creating this image that they think society wants them to be. But deep inside, they have disconnected from that true nature, their heart's desire. And not to say that success is wrong. I love success like anybody else, but there's a part of redefining success so that we can feel fulfilled. Oh, yeah. Oh, I like that, Mary. Yeah. You know, I like that. Redefining success because when you do that for yourself, you're writing the script of how you want that to play out in your life. And I kind of just had this epiphany, like literally, I just had this epiphany probably in the last week or two regarding like my little side gig village wall, right? Where I think that because I'm so passionate about it and I love it so much and you know, you're part of it, girl, you're a villager now, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, there's no out. Um, but, but when you're in something like that, you, oh my God, you want the world to know about it, you know? And I felt this like drive to keep pushing and make it bigger and all. And then I just finally said, Michelle, if Village Well, if you go home tomorrow, that's not going to happen, but if you transition and go home tomorrow, my love, you've done very good work. You are standing in your integrity and you followed your marching orders from source and look at what you've co-created with God. There you go. Mic drop. Done. That's, beautiful. that's my success right now today as I see it. Like, it's okay. It's enough right where we are. We've done well. Mm, I love that. That's really, that moves me, Michelle. And that's exactly the path is that we've disconnected from source. And so we take on that we are responsible to change the world. 
And a lot of those that people that are going back to stress and burnout feel that sense and drive. I mean, these are brilliant, successful, passionate people, especially the people I work around the world. They want to do make an impact, but they there's something of being disconnected and doing it alone and having to work so hard to do it alone. And that's when community, your, your village, well tribe and realizing we're not here to do it alone. And we're here to help people see their light and also heal those aspects or patterns that are no longer working for them. But it's it's remembering who we are. In some ways we don't need to be fixed. And that's the whole thing is that it's this whole sense of remembering like the lotus flower coming out of the pond with full mud is what we want to do is help that mud kind of sloth off the leaves so it can blossom into a beautiful flower. And that's similar to our path and our relationship. And I don't want to get, um, you know, bring dogma into this, but whatever your connection is to a higher power everybody has a different relationship to. And I know for me, 20 years ago, if I didn't get back to that relationship, I wouldn't have any idea where I would be right now. I know I wouldn't be where I am now. And I would know I wouldn't have had the courage to do the work and now the work I do in the world um, without that deep foundation. Absolutely. That's why you're able to help others. Thank God she did the work, everybody. <laughs> and she continues to do the work. It's not like we're ever done. <laughs> I'm wondering, like, yeah. when you look at the work that you've done, you know, and you're, you're working with these execs, we're in Silicon Valley. It's like, oh my God, like pressure cooker, right? Of folks who want to be super duper successful. Like, do you have a story of transformation where you were like working with someone or you were working with a team and you went in and you're like oh dear <laughs> I'm not sure how this is going to play out and then you literally saw you were able to help guide and lead this person or this team to this place where they really like the lotus flower they really blossomed mm. well you know it happens all the time in in incremental ways and I I remember this individual, um, I'll just share this, this, one, this one leader I was working with. Yeah. He was such the type three. And I think I mentioned it in our last call, but he was so determined, he was so successful. Um, however, he wasn't making the impact he wanted with his team. And when we kind of unpacked that all, he didn't have a lot of trust with his team. Like they can do the work on their own. And then when we, we used the Enneagram and he found out, wow, you know, I'm not connected to my own vulnerability and sensitivity and my feelings. And I'm not giving people a chance. I'm not asking for others support and I'm doing it myself. And so in order for me to get to the next level, he was like, I need to let go of the reins. And when he started doing that, he was so su surprised his team started like rising to the next level. And he's going, oh my God, all these years I'm coaching them and mentoring them. But until I got out of the way, 
they were able to have space to shine. And that was just huge to see him recognize in themselves. So anytime I do coaching, it's number one about self-awareness. Number one is seeing your patterns and what might be blocking you to get to that next level and to get to your aspirations. But he actually went a step further. This individual decided to look at all aspects of his life. And he, he wrote a eulogy. Um, he, Wait, he wrote a eulogy? Yeah, he ended up writing a eulogy about like what he wants other people to say. And he realized <laughs> wow. certain people that he broke trust with that he needed to repair that before it, it, it did come to his last day. And so he then made a list of all those relationships he needed to repair. And I'm getting chills right now because that became, like I feel, just a huge transformation. And he just, he said, I had no idea what I was getting into and working with you, Mary, but it's transformed my life. And that was just so special. And again, the person in technology driving a, a sales team having these epiphanies, not only at work, but also in his personal life. And I can imagine today his relationships are just a lot stronger, um, more transparent and trusting. So that's what can happen. And it doesn't have to, they have to do the deep, you know, inner work. Um, I've have worked with people that spent years doing that deep inner work and they just became a whole different person. Um, so it's, it's the continuum that I work with clients and it's not just leaders, but those that want to improve their leadership skills, but also personal development is so key, um, of the work I do. Yeah. Yes. I feel like, okay, so I was just given the word compassion, self-compassion. Um, and when you were saying like, when you choose to do the work, it's like, um, you know, we can't just like go to the gym and one time and expect to be fit. <laughs> Except no one's going to the gym right now, but anyhow, because of COVID. But um, this, this, I feel like grace, space, compassion, we have to give it to ourselves so we can give it to others and we can actually grow it. It's not like we, we can have a choice to, to, to forgive ourselves, to move forward like this gentleman did, to change those relationships. I mean, Mary, what a gift. It's almost like you participated in watching a miracle. Yeah. What an honor. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's beautiful. And one thing as I listen to that, I, I feel like it's the service I want to bring is, is being a catalyst for it. Um, and I believe as a coach, as somebody that mentors others, supports others, is if you can bring that mirror to themselves, they can find the resources in them. And that's, I've just seen so many, I mean, thousands of people that I have encountered and been able to see them transform their life or come back to me. Even those kind of coaching clients that felt like, wow, I don't think that went well at all. A year later, they'll come back. <laughs> Had some of those. <laughs> a year back. I mean, I, I, I share that, not to share to be, I'm definitely with humility, but a year back, yeah. I've had several of them come back and said that was the most powerful conversations I've ever had. I landed in a job. You said one thing to me and it still sticks with me. And I go, what did I say to you? <laughs> And one guy said, he said, you said, follow your inner compass. And I did. And he landed in this amazing job and he's doing a cre amazing 
things in the world. And I, every time I see him on LinkedIn, I go, oh my God, I remember every conversation we had. And that's the presence. I almost feel like everybody I talk to, they're, they're like friends and people I deeply care about. And I have tremendous compassion for. And that's, I couldn't have been there without the work and my own inner journey and my own setbacks and my own perseverance. I bring more empathy than I ever thought I would. Oh, it's such a gift because when we can't give it, when we can't, when we haven't learned yet how to cultivate it, when we can see it role modeled, it's mm -hmm. like, we're like, oh, I really like how it feels when I'm around her. What is it about her? And what is she doing? And people can pick up on how to do it differently for themselves and for others. And, you know, you, you were talking about burnout. And I'm wondering, like, if you were to peg, like, the top reason why folks burn out and then how you're able to offer some tools to help with that burn burnout, like, <laughs> you know, salve in a way or bomb to help us recover from the burnout like what would you what would can you talk about that for a second absolutely it's a great question and um, they they're all meshed in the seven keys but just a short list of it i mean initially we get burned out um because we're living others expectations i mean i think it's the bottom line you know, go back to what is the story we're telling ourselves? What's our definition of success? What are some of the patterns we, we have about work? People usually are workaholics, working yeah. 12, 16 hours, sometimes 80 hours. I mean, it's just like, are you kidding? 80 hours a week? I've had people where I worked with them, they were literally shaking on the call and I could just feel their nervous systems about the pop and they would just collapse. and. You know, people who have had heart attacks. and I, So it's that pressure we put on ourselves to do more. And then in our organizations, more pressure to do more. So there's this sense of doing more. Because again, going to that underlying belief, we're not enough without all of that. We need to have X amount of dollars or be a multimillionaire, especially in Silicon Valley, you know, right. multimillionaire is nothing compared to the billionaires now. So it's right. always that raising the bar. And I, I think when we think about burnout, what are the expectations we have of ourselves? Mm. And are they realistic? Mm -hmm. And then are we treating ourselves with, you know, rest? and recharging our bodies. Are we taking care of our bodies? So there's a whole component on the body that's so important to regulate our nervous systems. Stress happens because we're in a chronic cycle of fight, flight, mm -hmm. and freeze. So our nervous system is constantly trying to regulate itself. And I, can, I go in depth in the neuroscience. I, I studied the nervous system so deeply. It's like I, I understand the dynamics that helps us become more balanced. And until we can get more balance, which is in balance with our bodies, hearts, and minds, but in balance with our truest nature, we can end burnout. I, I really like what you said about like, fight, flight, freeze, like you're in this constant chronic state of that, you know, and, and, you know, you can, you can try to like, you know, juke and jive that for so long until yeah. finally it, it will show up. It will manifest in your body. Yeah. It can't help but not manifest in your body. 
whether that's through a breakdown, illness, a heart attack, fill in the blank here, right? I mean, Mary, like I think about all the people who work their whole life, they work so, 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 so hard. Years and years and years. They get to retirement, what happens? They get sick. I'm like, what's that? Like, I don't want that. Like I want, man, no, I'm like in the, what am I in? My second act right now, my third, I'm in my second act. How old am I? <laughs> it's like, okay, Michelle, you've been lucky enough to make it almost five decades, you know, God willing, what do you want, you know, the next three, four, five decades to look like, you know, we get to choose that. Absolutely. And I love that. And as I think about the services I bring into the world is helping people find their path in their life. I think early in career, people want to work really hard because they want to have the home and they want to have the financial freedom. Yes. Um, but then you get to different, um, I guess, rites of passage or transitions in your career and you want different things. Yeah. I think what you're pointing to, why can't you have happiness and meaning at the beginning of your career and throughout your career? And I think the millennials and the younger generations are showing us that way. They're all about experiences and having fun and doing things with nature. I think as we look at some of the older generations, we will see people that are hard work ethic. And I, I'm not here to blame any generation. I think right. the conditions of the lives and the external environment and the culture we live in form these patterns. You yes. know, I think about my parents, they were raised in the great depression. They were immigrants. Mm -hmm. My dad worked so hard. Even mm -hmm. today in his late eighties, he's working hard, painting the house, remodeling things. And I go, dad, can we just chill and meditate? He doesn't know how to do that and he doesn't need to work. He doesn't need to have a revenue stream, but there's something about that. And it goes back to, we tie our work with our self-worth. That's right. We've, we've co-mingled the two. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, when we, and when we can decouple that and realize our work doesn't define who we are as human beings, we actually find freedom and happiness and peace. Totally. Oh my God, I hope your dad isn't getting up on a ladder. He's not getting on a ladder, is he? With somebody holding it, he will get on a ladder. <laughs> and I go, dad, you not, he goes, hold it, Mary, just hold the ladder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he just oh. has, and I love those qualities, and I think about the qualities <laughs> that I challenged with, and you probably are seeing those in you. I get a lot that from my dad and I, we, I never took the proper vacations or I would work weekends when I was exhausted or I would work long days without saying no to my boss. So there's a whole section in my book talking about what are those tools of helping you create boundaries around self-care and time management to help you be productive and help you regain your energy reserves that was never part of my operating system is when I was young. It's like work so hard, get married, have children, have a yeah. house, have a car and travel and retire someday. <laughs> In that order, Mary. Exactly. <laughs> that, that was like my operating plan. It didn't work out that way. When it didn't work out that way, I go, I have to scratch that and create something different. Yeah. Absolutely. But what you said about like when it's not handed to you as a script, really, I think, I really feel like our generation is sort of changing it, mm -hmm. changing that script and 
what that's going to look like for us. And for, you know, I'm trying to write a different script for my daughters, you know, they'll ask me questions like mom, 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 what should I do? You know, mom, mom. And I'm like, well, love you have, I mean, you have options. I mean, what are some options that way they get to make the decisions and mama's just listening. Like I'm not giving it to them. Like, and I'm and our folks, they're so amazing. And that was the script they were given, right? It's the generation, but how is it that I can raise daughters who, um, are, are like, can prevent, can we prevent burnout moving forward? Can they really learn how to listen to their bodies, how to take care of themselves? And I'm wondering like, what are some strategies to stay balanced, grounded that like maybe you use and you've really grown over the last, you know, 15, 20 years so that you can do this work that you're doing? Yeah, that's so important. And one of the things I was thinking about that is my meditation is central as well as yoga. I'm a a yoga teacher and a meditation teacher. So I do that daily, like early in the morning, I wake up, I have a dedicated room and I'll do my practice for an hour. And that has been really replenishing for me Um, just to be able to, especially when I'm nervous and worried, especially 2020, it's brought up a lot for everybody. I know for myself as well Mm -hmm. is to be able to come back to my center, come back to my, what I call my sacred place in, Mm -hmm. in my room and in, in myself. And the meditation is, amazing it's it's like a tune-up it's like going for an oil change but every day being able to say oh that's where i'm in alignment i i I realized i was operating from fear and when we always are in a choice point of are we operating from fear are we operating from faith and are we in our center or are we being pulled away by drawn to certain things or worry or grasping or aversion. So we have these different faculties that we're always dealing with. And so the yoga is helpful. I teach um, therapeutics yoga, which is um, a combination of things. It's one is it completely relaxes your nervous system. So it's, it's called yoga nidra. And you can actually presence yourself and inhabit each part of your body. And within 30 minutes, it could feel like you slept for two hours it's a whole regulation. It taps into the brain waves, the various different brain levels to get you a place of really replenished and recharge. And then restorative yoga, of course, you know, to be able to do nothing. So having those orientations, if somebody is that does go, 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 goes all the time, it's good for them to do things that are more yin focus or brings the energy down. Um, so doing nothing is important. So it's restorative. I will just lay on my bolster in a restorative posture. And I literally, in half an hour, I feel restored. I mean, I go, what a brilliant you know, name for yoga um, style. And so those have been useful. And then if I, want, I feel like I need strength and alignment, I do more of my flow-based yoga to really open up my, my back and you know, different ligaments and connective tissue, muscle groups. And so the flow-based yogas are great and it makes me feel alive and it makes me feel more present. So I have this toolkit that I use. I, I share it in the book. So the, yeah. one of the, there's all, basically all of what I say, the key practices to engage with. Um, breath is really important. I think if you're busy and you don't have, to do, you don't have time to do yoga until the weekend or meditation, you can just do a simple breathing practice 
that can really ground you um, in five minutes. And so that's something that's really powerful. Hey, I have an idea. If you're okay with it, and you can say no, but <laughs> you're like an expert at this. I'm wondering, could you lead us through like a small little like breathing um, exercise? And that would be such a beautiful way to like kind of end our time, like maybe a two to three, four or five minute breathing. Um, I'm selfishly asking for the listeners and myself. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll be happy to. Yeah. Just take a moment to find a comfortable seat. Root your feet on the ground. Connect your body to your chair if that's where you're sitting right now. And gently close your eyes or keep them slightly open. Relaxing your neck, shoulder, and arms, releasing the tension from the day. And giving yourself permission to be here now. Letting go of any of the past to-do lists and the worry of the future. So allow yourself to be here now. In reality, all we have is this present moment. And when we're in connection with our pres the present moment, we are in connection with presence within us and outside of us. So bring your attention to your breath. Just notice how you're breathing right now. Is it full? Is it constricted? Is it heavy? Is it light? Wherever your breath is, just allow it to be where it's at. It will normalize itself as you give your body a chance to come back to its center. Just focus on your breath as you breathe in through your nostrils and bring your attention to your belly center. It allows you to have a fullness to diaphragmatic breathing pattern, which regulates the parasympathetic. The part of us that relaxes and slows down. I'd love to just share with you a, a very brief breathing practice that you can do the course of your day. It takes about five minutes, but I call mind body reset. So in our next inhale, inhale and count to five. Silently and mentally as you inhale, one, two, all the way to five. 
And at the top of your inhale, hold and count to five again. And then release the hold and then slowly counting to five, exhale the breath out. Releasing it from your belly, releasing it from your chest. And at the end of the exhale, there's a space. See if you can just hold. Again, just silently counting to five. And then release the hold and come back into inhaling with the count of five. And then hold and pause for five. And then exhale slowly for five. And then hold at the bottom of your exhale. And then begin that rhythm, inhaling, count of five, hold, exhale, count of five, and then hold. Let's just do that together as we're learning to regulate and balance our energy and recharge for the day. Let's finish our last cycle together. Breathing in, count of five. Hold. And then exhale, count of five. And then hold. And then let go of the breathing. Practice. At this point, ask yourself, what is my intention for this week? Or what is my intention of what I want to bring into this world? And just listen. might become in a, a word or a vision. Just be in the question. And then when you're ready, let go of the practice 
and gently open your eyes and come back to the space. That was awesome. <laughs> I feel so relaxed. Oh, the breath. Yeah. That darn, that darn breath. I mean, it is the simplest thing to come back to. And yet I find myself like, I'm all, wait, I have a belly. <laughs> like I can breathe all the way into my belly. I hold it right here, you know, right, right up top only it feels like. And so thank you for that reminder. You're so welcome. Yeah. And I, I wanted to share a simple practice because that was what, what three minutes or that you were able to regulate the nervous system and as you'll find, and I write this in my book, is that you have the sympathetic and parasympathetic. And so we're always rev, rev, doing, doing, doing. But when we can calm that part of us, we then find the sense of ease and well-being. And that's the sweet spot. That's where creativity can happen. That's where you can do deep listening to your intuition. And it also, some people might say, I just did that practice. I'm ready to go to sleep. And then that's a sign that you might be deprived of sleep. So I'm so glad you liked it. There's many other um, practices that I, I have in my book as well that could be useful for people to really um, get to a place of resilience and well-being. And when will that book be released, Mary Masham? It's going to be released hopefully at the end of October, October 27th. So, so I'm going to do a pre-order <laughs> and hopefully everything will be ready to go next week. I can send you the link and people can find more about it. They can also go to my website, marymosham.com and learn more about who I am and what I do. And I, I have a mailing list that I send articles, three articles every month on particular areas from career to life, um, meditation and mindfulness. So that could be useful for people if they're on this journey and they need support. Um, Beautiful. You are a jack of all trades, a wealth of information. You know, not only, I love it because you're like triple th threat. You've got the head, heart, body thing going on. You've got it all. She's like, uh, yeah, guys, I've studied about neuroscience and all she has. Um, I've heard her in the Enneagram. <laughs> I'm over here like, wow, she's super duper smart. <laughs> but you have this beautiful heart as well. It's like all three just match up. And so what a gift you are to the world, sister. I will put all that information in the show notes for folks to find you. And just keep taking care of yourself because we need you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Michelle. I, have, I just feel like in some way we were meant to connect on this planet and I'm so glad we have and I've been just having a blast with your community and I appreciate you giving me this opportunity to share what I've been up to and just really my mission to really help people live meaningful lives and careers and legacies with success happiness and well-being and I'm here for you along the journey don't ever feel like you have to do it alone because know that there's somebody in the world that will do it with you. Totally. I yeah. Thanks for the reminder, sis. It's what you said is so, so true. And so I'm just sending you so much love and I'm going to see you Tuesday night for the Enneagram class. <laughs> yeah, I'm so looking forward. And we're going to go into the four territory, so it'll be fun. <laughs> right on. 
And so okay. be well, my friend, and I'll talk to you soon, okay? Okay, thanks so much, Michelle. Okay, bye. Bye there. Each and every time I share space with Mary, I feel very much seen and heard and appreciated. She just has this gift of really giving that to you. Like in her, what she said was holding up the mirror, you know, to recognize your own divinity that resides within you. What a gift she is. I'm going to try to get this girl back to teach us more for the village wall in 2021. If you are interested in reaching out and working with this amazing leader, you can find her at marymosham.com. Once again, that's marymosham.com. And take a look for her book called Mindful Career, Seven Keys to End Burnout and Unlock Your Greatest Potential. You guys, it's a lot of work being us, so be well, take good care, we're counting on you because the world needs your light.